Tom Wallace, and I'm your host here at Florida Funders Angel Investing Podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today, Brian Butler. Welcome, Brian. Glad to be here, Tom. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to introduce Brian in a second, but before I do that, for the, those of you who are new to our podcast, Florida Funders, and you can check us out at floridafunders.com, is a combination between a venture capital firm and a network of angel investors. We're on a mission to find, fund, and build the next generation of great technology companies here in the state of Florida, although we do invest some outside of the state as well. What we're constantly trying to do is learn and grow and become better investors and better entrepreneurs. That's why we have our podcast and we're always looking to learn from people that have been there and done it. And Brian has a great story and a great background. Really, again, thanks for being here, Brian. I thought uh, maybe start off by telling us, I think what's really unique about your background, pretty unique about your background, is you went from 22 years of being an Army Army officer to starting a business. So that had to to be quite a transition. So maybe start us there. Sure. So I, I probably should just say I'm a Florida native, so I know there's not a whole lot here. Oh, okay. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in South Florida, uh, down on West Palm Beach and Riviera Beach. Okay. And I always believed that I'd be in business one day. I just took a long road to get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that. You know, following my four years of college and going through ROTC, I had an opportunity to work with some of the most amazing people in the world. Those are young men and women who raise their hand and say, I do. And I'm willing to serve in a volunteer army. Yeah. And that that took me through about 22 years. By the way, thank you for your service. And I have tremendous admiration for the military and people who serve our country. My father spent six years in the Navy. And I think that's that's awesome. Well, thank you. But that, so I commanded troops in combat on one end. And I worked in the White House for a couple of years on another end. And I was a spokesperson. Who was the president when you were in the White House? I worked for Bush, too. Okay. I worked on the Homeland Security Council. This little thing called pandemics. <laughs> I got a chance to write, uh, be a, a co-author of the nation's first pandemic influenza plan. Really? But that's a subject for another time. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, but it, I was a, a spokesperson for an Army secretary and on a team for a chairman. And I, I just had a really great Army career. I even learned a lot. Pick up a couple master's degrees and a lot of other training and education and just be a part of some amazing things that our that our country gets involved in all over the world. 60 plus countries. That's so I, I took those things and came to Tampa. Thinking I'd find a great job, do some time fishing, a uh-huh. little time on the golf course. And I got to fish a little bit on the golf course, but I couldn't find a job. Out of desperation of not being able to find a job, I actually started Vistra Communications out of my house. Desperation is the mother of invention, I guess, in this case. But the mother of it was. Maybe the mother of innovation. So it became, you know, Brian, what do you know? What do you know how to do? Hey. And we just created a little model out of our home. And I work with small businesses telling their stories. Uh-huh. I work with small nonprofits telling their stories. And that evolved into just winning a little more work here and there. 14 years later, we have about 100 employees. A hundred employees. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well, thank you. So impressive. So we, we provide a range of public relations, marketing, and consulting services to corporate clients as well as to government clients. Uh-huh. And it, that work just comes in lots of different kinds of ways, whether it's research or analysis or study, all the things that it takes to run those big organizations, but some of those things are also required for little small organizations. Uh-huh. So we, we have a lot of we really enjoy working with some of our small business clients, you know, our startup clients, 
and as well as our big clients like AT&T and Coca-Cola. Yeah. How many of your 100 employees are here in Florida? I'm just curious on that. We have about 70 of our employees, our team members as we call them. 70 of our team members are in Florida. Uh, we have an office in North Virginia, right outside of D.C. Okay. We have another probably 25 there and another four or five scattered in different, a couple of different other places. Okay, I want to go back to this military to uh, No doubt. <laughs> and, and, and I have some experience with this on, on kind of the other end and hiring mm-hmm. some people out of the military. And I've seen people, you know, I mean, being in the military, it's obviously very structured, very command-driven. You know, it's not not known for creativity. It's not known for risk-taking. You know, making that transition to the life of an entrepreneur where it's all risk-taking. You're making it up as you go along. You're trying to figure it out. Tell us about that. that See, I think there are more similarities than you would imagine. Okay. You know, by nature of leading and commanding troops, you're, you're taking a risk all day. You're taking a risk every day. It's just a different type of risk. Good and when you're doing a risk analysis before you make decisions, you're really, you're gathering the facts. You're trying to make the best decision possible. And it, it requires you to have some creativity and ingenuity uh, in that whole process. And I'm an old, I'm an old soldier. So I came up through, through there where we were staring down the Russians. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing that, what we always knew is that the, the Russians were so rigid, they had to do exactly as the plan called, uh-huh. where our system allowed for adaptabil- adaptability amongst our commanders to make some decisions to, to pivot left and right when you need to, yeah. to accomplish the mission, but not be so constrained by following the plan exactly the way. And I find myself doing exactly those same things in business today. Oh, yeah. Develop a plan, analyze it. As the environment changes, you must change that as well. Uh-huh. And that's been key to success for our business. You can tell I never served in the military, <laughs> so it's a misconceptions there. But <laughs> well, many people think the same thing. There lies a the problem with uh, sometimes people who transition from the military. Some business leaders believe that they don't have much to offer their business, but I believe most of them are wrong. Yeah, well, I've, I've employed a lot of people coming out of the military in my companies over the years, and very successfully. I mean, they're very dependable and reliable, and. You know, us, us. about 45% of our company is veterans. Is that right? That's awesome. So we believe in finding opportunities for veterans. But I like to get them on the job site doing things because I know they're not going to stop until they figure it out. Yeah. They're going to get it done. They're going to make sure that they live our values and they're going to help the client be successful. Um, yeah. And, and there are obviously some very successful military people besides yourself that have gone on to be entrepreneurs. The, the big one that comes to my mind is Ross Perot. I mean, probably. There's, there's one or two that are really, really big out there. <laughs> Maybe three or four. Oh, there's really a, quite a few. And I, and I look at looks like that is role models for me and believing that you can when so many factors tell you that you can't. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I got out of college in the 80s and EES, which was Ross Perot's company uh, that he made all his money building and, and selling to GM. Yeah, he sold to General Motors. They were hiring a lot. Mm-hmm. And I almost went to work for EDS at one point. I never did, but, but obviously Ross did pretty darn good. I think he did pretty well. Yeah. So one of the challenges of, of being an entrepreneur, and we always tell our founders this, and, and we have many founders that come to us for funding, and uh, we always tell them, hey, it's, 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 it's going to be a tough you know, you're going to get knocked down. You're, you know, the, the road to the, the top of the mountain is never, never linear, right? It's, it's up and down, up and down. In fact, I think a lot of ways being an entrepreneur most of my life is it's a lot like riding a roller coaster, you know, and it, it literally can change hour to hour, day to day. How did the military prepare you for that? Stay with it. The biggest lesson I learned is to stay with it and find a way to get it done. Because it does, there are lots of roadblocks, there are lots of challenges, there's funding issues, there's there's where the startup dollars are gonna come from. 
you know, what happens when you're out of funds and you just need that one little piece to get you over the edge. It took me a while before I was willing to tell people that I can remember going to the bank, using my credit card to make payroll. How humbling an experience that is. That's adversity. <laughs> That's adversity for breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk about risk taking. Talk about risk taking. And I'm married to an accountant who sees risk a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Accountants tend to be conservative folks. So, and she's still, uh, boy, she's still very conservative. She's a PhD in accountant. So oh, she's wow. not just accountant. So, uh, you know, I can remember her saying, hey, we, you know, this is great what you're doing, but would you mind looking for a paying client? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. When I think about the military, and again, going, you know, sticking with this military transition thing, it seems to me, and a lot of people, the one place the military, and you touched on this, and I'd like to hit a little deeper, is great training for leadership. And you're leading, I assume, again, I have not been in the military myself personally, but you're leading very young people who need training and, 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 and guidance and mentorship and all that. And, uh, you know, we, we deal with that a lot at Florida Funders because most of our founders are very young people. So, you know, talk to us about, you know, leadership and how that's, you see that, the difference between, you know, leadership in the military, leadership in the business yeah. world and the private, private so, side. Once again, quite a few similarities, you know, and I'll use this example. In the military, I commanded troops in combat. You know, I was young at the time. I was about 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first commanded troops and we were in combat and and you were always looking to figure out a better way of doing things and a better way and and everybody's not so young you know I wasn't the oldest person in the room because your non-commissioned officers have a lot of experience and then you learn to you learn to really tap into them to help get things done mm-hmm. and I see some similarities in our business when I look at some of our folks and say okay here's a way to do this but you too go figure out a better way to help us do this mm-hmm. help, us, help us figure out a way to to, to solve our clients' problems and to really provide a great solution for them. So I allow people to do their job mm-hmm. and a lot of training that's involved in that to get it done. So there, there's just, there's a lot of similarities in the two and the way I approach working with people to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think the military is about yelling at the private and standing on top of them to, to get it done every day, but it's really not. It's not like it's in the movie. It's not like it's, in the movie. It's not quite like the movie. It's not every day. Hollywood embellish something? It's, uh, you know, my, I had a career that spanned working with lots of different types of organizations. One of the jobs I had in the military, I ran an installation that made ammunition for, the, for, for all the services. And that, my workforce was about 95% civilians. You don't operate a facility like that by walking around yelling at everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you find a way to motivate people and inspire people to believe in the mission of what you're doing, and you count on them getting things done. Yeah. I want to go back to one thing you said, is, is about the stick to with a military person. They're going to figure out a way to get, get it done. Because when we're looking at founders, that's one of the things that we're really looking for. That's one of the characteristics we look for in founders. We believe here at Florida Funders that we bet a lot on people. You know, it's all about people. Business is a team sport. We're betting on the team, the founder of founders. And one of the things that we're really looking for is we evaluate and spend time with that founder and getting to know them. And that's, that's really our passion is, is helping them be successful is really how much perseverance do they have? And, you know, we know it's going to get tough. I mean, Uber almost went out of business three times. I mean, if you know anything about Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, I mean, the guy's meant to be like tough as nails. I mean, he took on the cab industry and all these governments and all that. I mean, he never, he never backed down. 
And that's what it takes. And, you know, that's what we look for when we're looking at backing companies and founders. Yeah. And I, and I would bet most of your, most of the most successful entrepreneurs have the same type attitude. They don't work eight to fives. No. I mean, they're the first one there in the morning. They're the last one to leave at night. And and when other people are watching, you know, ball games on the weekends or or having fun, they're still trying to you know figure something out. They're still trying to get something completed or meet a deadline for a client or et cetera. In our early days, I wrote most of our proposals. I did most of our client presentations, and as we brought on one or two people, you know, I made them a part of it, but still, I was the glue that kept it all together. Yeah, that's I, where you were. But today, I'm, you know, blessed that we have a, we have a great team, and people are doing And all you do is play golf. And all I do is play golf and play fish. <laughs> I'm sure that's I not wish, true. I wish I could say yeah, that. I'm sure that's you not know, true. I, I probably worked more hours last year than COVID than I've worked in a long, long time. And people that work around me will tell you that uh, I probably have as much energy or more than anybody in our company. One of the things that I want to touch on is is here in Florida, we have a lot of, of military bases. So we've got right down the street here in Tampa, we've got McDill and SOCOM, which is where the Iraqi war was run out of here and Schwarzkopf was here. And, and you know a lot more about it than I do. But one of the things from, a, a, from the entrepreneurial technology side of, the, of things, we haven't seen a lot of that. And I know SOCOM's kind of working on it, parlaying into startups here locally that are either coming out of the military or coming up with solutions for the military. What have you seen there? I'm, I'm just kind I of curious. I think some of it is the environment that many of the, those that work in the military are, are doing at SOCOM and, and U.S. Central Command. And part of it is, the, you know, we, we do quite a bit of work at McDill. I think all of the work we do is classified at the top secret level. So it's not easy for somebody to walk out of doing a job at the top tier level and parlay that over to corporate America. Yeah. Or to even describe in great detail what they're doing, mm -hmm. whether it's something involving IT or information operations, you know, maybe some of the things like marketing and communication and some of the things that we do as a company, you could take some of those things, but I still maintain my top secret clearance. Mm -hmm. uh, and many in my company have one as well. So there's a there's a divide right there. So I would think that's probably some of what you're seeing mm -hmm. people coming out. They just can't still talk about some yeah. of the things that, that they're doing at Big Deal and at yeah. SoCal or SoCal. We've seen a little bit of it, and we're hopeful to see more. And, and, and we know that there's some efforts about... And, and the, the facility over in Ybor City that SoCal right. opened. And that, that's exactly. why that facility is not on the installation. It's out in the city to be a magnet for attracting new technologies. And, and I've been there. It's a great facility. Yeah, it's, it's We're great. actually doing a little work with them now. Oh, you did? That's a very impressive facility. Now, that's cool. Okay, I thought I'd switch gears a little bit on, on you, Brian. One of the things that we are really working on, I think, the whole technology industry is diversity. And uh, PitchBook, which is kind of the Bible of, of, of our industry and monitors every deal that gets done. I think estimates, I read that they estimate that 1% of the companies that get funded, the venture capital community as a whole, but 1% of the companies we fund are run by African-Americans or blacks. Obviously, that's way below what, you know, the, the percentage of the population. You know, from our side, we'd like to do more funding of minority-led companies, but we're not, we don't get a ton of them coming yet. How do we fix that? Go look for them. Go find them. If you have a reactive wait until they come, they're probably not going to come in the numbers that you're looking. Mm -hmm. But if there's some, some programs or 
some ones that are coming through successful and you highlight those to show them, to show others that they can do it, I bet you see your numbers change. Mm-hmm. I'm involved in a lot of different diversity initiatives. Mm-hmm. And not because I want to be, because I think it's necessary during this period of our history for me to be. And one of the things I share with others is don't wait for it. If there are more obstacles in a way, many may look at it and say it's not worth the effort. If I go through these, if I go through 10 rounds of funding and I still come out zero, at some point I still got to feed my family. So maybe it's time to go do something else. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think that's probably a little piece of it. Yeah, we tried to, I, I can speak, I can only speak for foreign funders in this regard, but I think it's pretty prevalent across the industry that we're, we're trying. Yeah. And, and we can do more. But, and and I don't, I'm not aware of what you're doing with Florida Funders, but I'm aware of some, some of the other angel investors that are doing are starting to do to be more attractive to that population because we're all missing out. I mean, if you look at some major things that were invented through this, the history of our, comp- our country, mm-hmm. many of those were invented by African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Many from our Probably didn't line. always get credit for it, right? <laughs> yeah, to Jack Daniels. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, you didn't know that, did you? No. The original recipe for Jack Daniels was invented by a black man. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. That's something we need to continue to work on, and, and it, it's all minorities. I mean, we don't have enough Latin uh, founders. We don't have enough female founders. But we're seeing the numbers change. I mean, it's, it's just not changing, I think. I've had this conversation with a couple others, and I know that there are some new ideas and programs out there to be more attractive to some minorities and some African-Americans that come into this space. And I'm looking forward to them coming. We actually had a client that was in this space. And at the time that he was in this space, about seven or eight years ago, he had great little technology he had, but he realized that Florida wasn't the place for him. So, so sadly, he had to leave mm-hmm. and go somewhere differently. Now, that well, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that. We we're really trying we to. We don't want that to happen. Nope. You don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. That environment is changing because of organizations like yours, Florida funders. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, in fact, we say one of our missions is to keep our best and brightest entrepreneurs here in Florida to start their companies, not having them leave here to go to Austin or Silicon Valley or New York City. Well, we grow businesses here in Florida. We grow businesses here in the Tampa Bay area. We all benefit from that. Absolutely. So, you know, many populations around here benefit from that. So I'm one of those that's always beating the bandwagon for businesses to start up right here in Florida, right here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and for, you know, many of you listeners probably know this, but Florida's really come a long way. I mean, in a very short period of time, I mean, right now, Miami's really getting known for tech. Um, I, we were talking before this. I I had uh, a meeting with uh, Mayor Suarez of Miami last week, and he was talking about, you know, Peter Thiel and having lunch with him the day before and what he's doing over in Miami and the, the Winklevoss twins. He had just met with them, and supposedly Jack Dorsey might be doing some. So, uh, we're, and we're seeing a lot of... of uh, uh, venture capital funds from New York City. And COVID's accelerated this. COVID's actually in many ways benefited Florida because so many of the New Yorkers and Boston heavyweights, I mean, they had homes in Miami or homes in Florida and they were, and they came down here for COVID and then they started thinking about, well, why, why do I need why to go, go back? Why do I need to go back? So that's been, that's been good for us and, and hopefully that trend continues. So um, your business, Vistra, does uh, communications, marketing, public relations. I know very little bit about it, but what I did read. Obviously, technology's having a big impact on every industry, some more than others, but almost every industry is really being impacted on technology. How do you see it impacting your business and, and your customers and what you're trying to do for them? Well, it has a huge impact both internally to the way we run the business, as well as externally is how we work with our clients. You know, internally, and I'll use COVID as an example since you just brought that up. The ability to work 
out of the office and our ability to provide the services we provide to our, our clients using the tools and technologies, the off-the-shelf tools, that continue to get better almost every yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we're not we're not the only one. Many companies have realized that they do so much more and not have brick and mortar. Now, me personally, I like talking to people. I like being out. I do I like too. Having, I like having those conversations, inviting people to our office. We have 8,000 square foot. We bought an old bank. We kind of decked it out a little, little neat, and we have whiteboard walls everywhere. I love getting people at the whiteboard wall to solve a client's problem. We uh-huh. do that together yeah, in a collaborative way. And this has made it a little challenging, but we figured out a way to do it. So we use technology. Are you guys back in the office? We're not back in the office yet. Uh, I'm in there a few days a week. A couple of us in there a couple of days a week, but we're really not back in the office yet. I'm just trying to be patient and let's, let's get these... Let's get people vaccinated, mm-hmm. and then I feel better about bringing more people in the office. And we found a way to make this work. Uh, but you know, when you mentioned technology, data. You know, more and more of our clients are trying to figure out how to best use their data, mm-hmm. where the tools to use. We do some amazing research projects mm-hmm. for clients, and we use some. We actually study the data that clients have to help them make decisions about media buys and different things like that. So. We embrace technology in lots of different forms, much more today than we did when I first got into this profession. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the military, because you came from the military, and you, you do work for the military, right? We do quite a bit of work for the military, for the government overall. And, and, and where are they at on, in, in your mind on the technology spectrum? From zero, where they're way behind the times, to 10, they're at the cutting edge. Where do you put the military? There's probably some areas where they're way behind, but there's probably some areas where they're further ahead than many of us believe. You know, there's some organizations out there, DARPA and some others that are funding technology and seeding technology in ways to help not just America, but help the military and their mission. I mean, that's exactly why Softworks is sitting in Ebor City versus only deal. Mm-hmm. It takes some near ready technology tools and get them to market faster. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, some other initiatives similar, similar to that one going on different places around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just reading somewhere that the military had put a bit out. Obviously, as many of our listeners know, the GPS came out of the military. The Internet yep. came out of the military. <laughs> Al Gore did invent it. Well before any of us were thinking about it. Yeah. So those were funded projects out of DARPA and related organizations. Mm-hmm. And those projects are still being funded today. Uh, just that, you know, some of them don't make it very far. And some of them aren't talked about very much. Yeah, I think what I was, it, it was a, I'm trying to remember what the article was about, but it was really cutting edge technology. And I think it was electronic vehicles and some of the, you know, the ways they're using electronic vehicles in the military. And if you think about it. And even the weaponry today and the, the use of uh, being able to find the service members on the battlefield, wherever they are, using their technology and the tools and the tactics that are being used today. So probably a lot more than most people realize day to day. Interesting. Wanted to ask you, I know you also do work with airports. I saw that. And obviously with COVID, all of us are flying a lot less. How has that impacted your business and what do you see happening there? Uh, quite a bit. People stop traveling. They stop getting on planes. You know, we're lucky here in Tampa. We're fortunate here in Tampa that our airport is slowly making a comeback. And it's probably headed to curve of Florida as, as airports go. And I listen to the information that, that Joe LaPaul shares with us on a regular basis and, it's, and I follow it pretty closely. But Joe's the head of the airport. Joe Potter's the head of the airport. And we also do some work in the airport in Washington, D.C. We mm-hmm. sell advertising in the airport. So oh, really? if people aren't coming into the airport, we are selling advertising. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that a little hard. <laughs> so we're starting to, we see an uptick because people are buying the ad space again. 
Uh, I was just in, I was in D.C. last week. I was in the airport last week, and there was a few more people walking around the airport than there were the last time I was in there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's it's things are slowly starting to come back. Well, hopefully with the vaccine rolling out, and I, I just saw where uh, I think the Biden administration is saying by April they think anybody that will want to have gotten vaccinated will. Well, I can't vaccinated. wait. To, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to being vaccinated. I'm looking forward to being able to get back on planes. 2019, I spent about half of every month on the road. Mm-hmm. Either I was in D.C. or I was in, in Dallas or Atlanta or out west. So I spent a lot of time on the road talking about our business and helping our, helping our clients. Well, yeah, I think we all miss it. We can't wait to get back and get back to being in the office every day. Although we've been in our Florida phones. Steph, we've been back for quite a while, right? So this has been great. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. I thought maybe kind of... Do you do any angel investing? Have you gotten into that? Any experience with that? I would call it angel investing. Okay. So not as you as you define angel investing. We've, we've done a little investing, but I've been thinking about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what we're all about. So we'd love to have you join us. Any advice, final advice for founders out there? Yeah. Uh, if you were starting a company today, or is there... Yeah. And the other question I'd like to ask, any advice for founders? And is there a certain segment of technology you think that is just a great time to be getting into that... That, that really intrigues you, or if you were starting over, you might might do that side. Let, let me try to answer the first piece. So, advice from founders: develop your plan, convince yourself, be convinced yourself that it's a good, solid plan, and let other people throw holes, throw darts at it, poke holes in it, mm-hmm. and then tweak tweak your plan, and then run like hell to make it work. Don't let little curves along the way persuade you that those curves are actually walls. Find a way to get around it. Find a way to get over it. You know, I can remember many times when people thought, Brian, you must have lost your mind to do this, especially in 2007, 2008 time frame. And I was just determined that we had a good plan and that it would work. And today, you know, as I mentioned, we have about 100 employees. We have a wide range of clients, so it's working. But I still get up every day running. Awesome. I get up every day and run. Love it. The second piece of what technology? I don't know. I should be asking you that. <laughs> You're the person that's investing in uh, some of this cutting edge technology. So let, let me let me listen to some things you have to say. Well, we, <laughs> then I'll know where to invest my dollars. <laughs> well, we like. We, there's a lot of areas we like. Uh, we love cybersecurity, which is probably near and dear to your heart with the military. And we have a. Those of you who don't know, we have a pretty big cybersecurity community here in Tampa, uh, between Dobie 4, which is a unicorn company over in Clearwater, ReliQuest, run by Brian Murphy, who's a friend of Florida Funders, uh, Align, Scott Price's firm. So we have quite a few really exciting security companies here locally. So we like that space. We like artificial intelligence. We think blockchain's still a little bit further out. Uh, we haven't done anything in blockchain. We've looked at a lot of blockchain companies, but we, we still think that's kind of maybe... A few years, a few years out, we made an electronic ve- an EV investment, electronic vehicles. So we like that space. And there's a lot, there's quite a bit going on with electronic vehicles in Florida. People would be surprised. So there's a lot of areas that, that we like. Augmented virtual reality. There's like one of our portfolio companies is Markson Technologies in downtown St. Pete, which is on fire and doing really exciting stuff in the home goods space around using virtual reality. So if you go into Macy's or you go in, uh, to uh, Ashley Family Furniture and you you pick up an iPad, that's their technology driving that. So those are kind of, kind of some of our favorites. And we love we love the software business. We love SaaS software. And obviously, that's not new. But our, that's touched by artificial intelligence, blockchain, you know, all this stuff. So. That's well, exciting. Thanks for what you're doing. I mean, I believe uh, companies like mine have been looking for companies like yours for a long time. 
in the Tampa Bay area. And I can speak to that because we've had clients that were looking for, you know, they left this area, you know, seven, eight years ago because they didn't have, because there weren't enough companies like yours here. So thanks for what you're doing. It all helps this community be better. And I surely appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say that. You know, we're just fans of entrepreneurs. I mean, we we have this saying, entrepreneur stays after non-stay in the yoga. (laughs) So I've been taking yoga for 20 years. So namaste says that the the divinity within me recognizes and honors the divinity with you. We say entrepreneur stays so that the entrepreneur within me recognizes and and honors the entrepreneur within you. So we're big fans of entrepreneurship. We think this country was really built on it. We really think it's the future, and, and it's 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 our past as well, and it's what's what makes America the most unique country and and arguably the greatest country on the planet. It's our entrepreneurs and people like you out there every day fighting the good fight, fight making it happen. Well, I look forward to talking to you sometime. Let's figure out a way to to help entice more veterans to take that entrepreneurial route. Yeah, sounds like an excuse to have a couple beers. That sounds like an excuse, to have a beers. Like an excuse to have a <laughs> or an old fashioned. <laughs> Whatever you like. (laughs) Brian, thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners out there and viewers, you know, because this is video also. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Florida Funders Annual Investing Podcast. And if you would like to learn more about Florida Funders, go out to floridafunders.com. We have a section of our website, our portal for founders to go through a very quick application process. And you can get our process and possibly get funded by Florida Funders. We invest in about 12 to 15 companies a year. On the other side, if you're an investor or you're intrigued by angel investing and you want to learn more about angel investing, we have a whole side of our website with lots of resources and help for that. And you can go out and look at some of the companies that we have identified. And we look at 50 to 100 companies just to invest in one that are up on our site and that we're in the process of funding. Thank you for joining us.